Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Okay, well, praise God. Uh, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. And uh, it's a good day. It's a day the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Jesus is Lord. That means love is Lord. That means joy is Lord. That means strength is Lord. Praise God. And if it, if, if he is Lord, and if, if all that he is is Lord, then those things are what's governing today. There is a, 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 a governship over our day. And it is joy, strength, peace, righteousness, goodness. Uh, it is all the things God is. That's what's governing our day. And we are not just uh, slaves to that. We're not just subjects in the kingdom. We are kings and priests, praise God. So uh, today, though, I want to get into a little bit about um, just our purpose and our calling in God. And I want to address uh, just kind of something that it happens, you know, uh, obviously as we go through this life where there's times when we just don't feel like we're connected to our call. That we literally feel like we're we're separated from our call. We 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 just feel so separated from our call. And I don't know if you can identify with that. Um, you know there, you know there, there's just different, different different times when either a you you don't even know what your call is. You've never known what your call is, or possibly there's times when you've uh uh you know maybe did at one time feel that you were very much on on track with your call you know like you were you were heading that way you were taking ground and then you don't even know what happened i mean you're you're just serving god believing god doing what god told you to do and the next thing you know you just feel like you're separated from god you just feel like you're not necessarily from god as far as you don't feel like i don't know however i mean you can feel like that way but i'm just mostly talking about the call talking about purpose talking about really feeling the satisfaction, the fulfillment of knowing that you're doing what God told you to do, knowing that you're doing what you're on the earth to do. Uh, you know, one of the biggest questions that humanity in general has is why are we here? You know, I, I mean, there is pretty much, you know, I don't know how many books and, 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 and teachings and, and conferences and, 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 you know, even, even religions that are formed simply to try to answer that question because, because our call is tied to something. It says, you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, I might get into this maybe this time or next time or whatever, but Ephesians chapter 1, you know, it says that, the, that our, our eyes uh, should be enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling on us. So, you know, that means that, that our calling and our hope are tied together. I mean, they're, they're literally tied together inseparably. And so if I don't, if, I, if I'm not, um, you know, in, engaged with my call, I'm also not engaged with, with hope. I'm not engaged with that, that thing that gets me up every day. I'm not engaged with that, that reality, uh, of progress in life. And, um, and this is, so when I'm separated from, from my call, I'm separated from that very thing that, that like I said, fuels excitement, it fuels energy, it fuels, you know, like, man, why do I get up every day? Why do I get out of bed every day? You know, it's not just to, you know, work a job and, you know, pay the bills and, you know, you know, go on vacation, you know, every now and then. I mean, that's, you know, th th those will only satisfy small things, but they're never going to satisfy the heart. They're never going to satisfy those things. So w what I want to get into here is just, um, you know, at this identifying the fact that it's not unusual to feel separated from your call. People in the Bible felt separated from their call. People in the Bible walked through this process. 
And the great thing is, is that we don't have to stay there and we don't have to be a victim to it. I, that's that's the, one of the biggest things I want to get out of is, is you know, the, the victim mentality of the woe is me. Well, I guess I'm just not, you know, and, and maybe, like I said, maybe this doesn't pertain to you at all. Maybe you're totally in line with your call. Maybe you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing on the earth and you're doing it. Praise God. Go for it. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, and you know, pass this message along to somebody that, that maybe you know that isn't quite as connected as you are. Uh, but... I, I do just want to I want to make sure you that, that when people feel this way they don't feel alienated they don't feel like they're less spiritual they don't feel like they're you know necessarily just in sin you know I mean some of the times what we do is we we get on a witch hunt about things and it's not wrong to self-examine it's not wrong to to evaluate or assess things in our life of, of adjustments that should be made but you know when we're when we feel de- you know just detached from the things of God, we know it. We know it's not on God's end, right? We know that He's not the one that is. Uh, you know, He said He would never leave nor, nor forsake us. So we know that. But the problem is that because we know that, then you know it's almost like a, a bad habit people get into is they throw themselves under the bus because they think there always has to be a villain involved. There always has to be, an, and usually they're the ones they villainize. It's like I must be. I must be broken. I must be that you know uh i don't know that 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 the, the black sheep of the of the family i must be the kid that god just puts up with and and here i am again and you know i just i just can't seem to ever do it right so i must be the 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 kid that just doesn't know how to do it right i just don't know how to do it and you know that that victimy mentality that 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 you know, woe is me mentality, man, you're going to, we have got to abandon that. That will never get us anywhere. It is not in line with the word. It's not in line with truth. It is a lie. Okay. And so, so the, you know, here, you know, I just want us, first of all, though, I, I do want to, um, you know, I do want to, to allow people to understand that if we're feeling separated from our call and if we're feeling, you know, just, separated from even how to know what we're called to do or how to get back on track like we felt like we were at one time. Uh, You're not alone, but let's not form a pity party, okay? Uh, This is something that, it's funny, I was was talking to somebody the other day and and was talking about, uh, you know, just you know, uh, getting involved with some different groups, you know, at church and different things like that. And then, uh, you know, we're, we're plugged into the different things at our church, our, our home church. And, uh, and, but you know, w- a lot of times though, in the body of Christ, when people get involved with like small groups, it turns into a pity party. And, uh, and, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I was like, well, I, you know, this should not be group counseling. You know, that's not what this should look like. It doesn't mean that people are not in a free space to share their heart or in a free space to actually, you know, just be transparent and vulnerable and say, you know what, I've been struggling with something. There, that's that's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame, and there's, you know, this is not where we attack weakness. You know, that's not what this is. And there shouldn't, you know, churches should never have that where it's like, oh well, you know, let's just da 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 da, and, and just attack people because we, you know, we're we're we're, we're identifying them with being unspiritual just because are going through something that's not it but the other ditch is we're also not in a counseling session okay we're i'm not against counseling i'm not against therapy but church is not a group therapy session that's not what this is um because what you know the 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 problem is with group therapy sessions is it it usually turns into and i'm not because i'm not against therapy i'm not against counseling at all there's i i know i know several of of uh people that i are i'm close to that i actually really love and respect and they've gotten a great 
great benefit from counseling and from therapy. And I believe there's some great Christian counselors and therapists out there, so don't, don't get me wrong about that. But at the same time, if we keep going back and back and back and back and there's no growth, there's no fruit from it, then the Bible says if there's no fruit, you cut the tree down, right? It, I mean, there should be fruit. There should literally be tangible change. And this is not a, 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 a you know indefinite time period You know where, you know I don't know if you ever notice that when people start going to a chiropractor, they usually end up getting addicted to the chiropractor because their back is so messed up afterward that they never get better. It's just, it's just like this. Now it's a, a, a life sentence of having to go to the chiropractor because their back is messed up. And, uh, and I'm not even against chiropractors. I just know that, that, you know, it can turn into something it's not designed to be. And so when, when, when we are going to God, he doesn't, he doesn't like whiny children. He does want vulnerable children. He wants children that are willing to, to, to be open with him and at the same time be open to truth. Because truth is what makes us free, right? And I say that over and over again because it is the truth. And the truth, you're going to come back to it where we have to have truth. And so uh, so when we're talking about you know, just feeling separated from our call, think about, uh, I was just thinking about this you know, this morning with um, uh, Sarah. You know, we know that Abraham and Sarah in Genesis. We know that, that Abraham is called the father of our faith. Sarah is the mother of our faith, right? And so we have this couple, this, this faith couple, and they're believing God for, for Isaac. And they're believing him for a long time. And I don't think it had to be that long. I just think that there were things in their soul that were in the way. But it didn't have to be that long at all. But they they believed God for a long time, for decades, right? And the, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, here in that day and age, you know, when somebody is barren as a woman, they are considered pretty worthless, and uh, and so here she is. She's loving God, believing God, obeying God. You know, they. I mean, could you imagine here? They, they'd already been married. You know, most people say that they they were married about uh, about ten years uh, before they even you know like left for the you know for the promised land or whatever. And so they they'd already been married for a little while, and they still didn't have any children. And so I'm sure she probably already felt like something was not right because they they were married for a little while. They didn't have children yet. They end up taking in Lot, you know, which was their nephew because Lot's dad had passed away. And so, you know, by that was cultural back then. That was fine. They took Lot in and they began to raise him as their own. And yet they didn't have a biological child. And, uh, and so, so by that time, I'm sure she already was having feelings of, you know, being judged from the culture around them, uh, from, uh, you know, of her own self, you know, of, of feeling inadequate, of feeling like, you know, she, she, you know, like, what did I do wrong, you know, and, and yet here she is, I mean, I, I love Sarah so much. Because Sarah is such a woman of faith, and I don't think she she gets taught about nearly enough. I don't think she gets the the, the you know the, the credit that that is due her. Right, <laughs> Abraham gets a lot of credit, but Sarah doesn't get nearly as much as she should. Sarah is an amazing woman. Uh, I believe she actually had more faith than Abraham. You know, and and we know that Abraham had a lot of faith. And I'm not diminishing Abraham's faith in any way. But what Sarah did and what she walked through. Um, yeah, she made mistakes. So did Abraham, right? They both were kind of idiots sometimes, but they were the ones called. 
Okay, and they were the ones called to do something in the earth, just like you're called to do something in the earth. And God saw all the mistakes. He saw all the times they would blow it. He saw all the times they would disobey. He saw all the times when they would not be in faith. He saw all the times when they would be in rebellion. He saw all the times when they would sin, and he called them anyway. And he called us anyway. Praise God. Because he is bigger than all of that. Now, I just want to—I want us to put ourselves in Sarah's shoes. Okay, here she is. Um, she is—you know—started walking things out. You know, she's married to Abraham, uh, and they start walking things out with God. And now this is unique. This isn't like there's a local church to go to, right? They didn't have a church around the corner to go to. This was unique. They were walking things out in a way that literally. Nobody else was walking out. You know, everybody else on the planet, pretty much. I mean, we know that there was individuals here and there that 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 did things differently. But overall, the planet, the mo- the majority of people on the planet were po- polytheistic. They served different gods, right? They had different statues and different things they prayed to. They had, you know, uh, different gods that required human sacrifices and different gods that required different things. And so, most all the planet was polytheistic. And Abraham stands up. And he says, you know, in, in Romans, it says that he believed in a God that, justi- that, that justified the ungodly. So he believed that he wasn't that that he could come to God and that God would justify him as an ungodly person. He Jesus wasn't born yet, you know what I'm saying? Jesus hadn't hadn't paid the price yet. So Abraham was separated from God. He was darkness. He was in his sin. And he didn't have the Messiah there to, to, to pay for his sin. He didn't even have the Old Covenant. He didn't even have, you understand, this is before the law. So he didn't have a temple to go to to sacrifice things. He didn't have a brazen altar and a brazen laver. He didn't have the Ark of the Covenant that had the Ten Commandments in it. There were no commandments, right? He didn't have any of that. He didn't have any law. Abraham never knew one commandment. If you were to ask Abraham what the ten, he would go, I don't know what the commandment, what do you mean by commandments? <laughs> I mean, you understand, Abraham didn't know the commandments. He didn't know. He didn't know the thou shalt not. He didn't know the, 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 the burning bush. He didn't know any of those things. This is well before all of this. this is 400 years before all of that, Abraham stood as a man who sought God. And all he could say was, I'm ungodly. But if God, if you are God, if there is one true God, then he's able to justify the ungodly. And if, if my ungodliness separates between me and you, then you're big enough to make up that difference. Oh, man, praise God. I tell you, this is the father of our faith, and Sarah is the mother of our faith. And so here they are. They're, they they begin to pursue God. Now, they you know, as like I said, as as people of that time, Sarah's barren. She feels. I'm sure she, like I said, she is being looked upon. Whether she feels this or not, I don't know. I don't know what was in her mind, but she's being looked upon as though she's worthless. The culture is judging her. The culture is saying that 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 because of her uh, of something that she can't control. She can't control whether she's barren or not barren. You know, because of something she can't control, she is not worthy of distinction in the community. She has no value in the community if she is not bearing children to her, her husband. And, and so here she is, in, in the community's eyes, in the culture's eyes, she is worthless as a person. She is no better than, than a donkey that can carry things around because that's pretty much all she's doing all day is just carrying water here and there. She's carrying food here and there. She's making food. She's doing all these other things. But she's no better than a service animal. Oh, man, can you imagine? That's, that's the culture looking at Sarah. And, you know, what do you do with that, right? And because of nothing that, that you've done and the culture's blaming you, 
Now, understand that sadly, this is sometimes what happens in the body of Christ, where people feel like they, they're just not performing the way or they're not seeing the fruit they're supposed to, 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 to see. And the problem is, is that they, they, they're being looked on as though they don't have value because they don't have fruit. And they don't even know why they don't have fruit. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there where it's like you literally don't even know why, but but you can feel the the religious spirit, uh, you know, in in the in the church. It doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from Christ. It doesn't come from that. It's not from the body of Christ. It's coming from people who are in the body who still have religious spirits. And they're looking at people with a judgmental eye, with a critical eye. I've done this before. You understand? I am not. I'm not taking my 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 name out of that that loop. I'm not sitting there trying to say that I've been better than this my whole life. I have judged people. I have looked at people. I have, I've I've looked at them and seen what they were doing in their life and been like, well, they should do something different. They should have something different. They should walk out something different. Yeah, well, you know that's that's a real good thing to say until you start walking it out. You're right. And so you understand the, 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 the voice of adolescence is always one where, oh, I would do it different or better if I was in their shoes. That's a voice of adolescence. It carries no wisdom. It only carries pride with it. And so, so if number one, if you're feeling judged that way, free yourself from that judgment. Okay, just just let it go. Understand that's just religion trying to place an identity on you that you have nothing to do with. But if you've had that voice against people, if you've had those thoughts against people, then repent and just say, Father, I've been I've been critical. I've I've judged your people, and and that's not I I've been I have been, I've been I've taken allegiance with the accuser of the brethren, and I don't want that. And so just repent, be quick to repent of it. And if, if those thoughts start coming back every now and then, because for me, I was habitually critical of people. I was habitually judging people. And so for me, even though I'd repent of it, thoughts would come back, I just have to take captive. Nope, no, nope, nope, I don't give them thought. I don't give, I, I, so what I would do is I would, I would, like I say all the time, you don't, you don't take authority with, of thoughts with thoughts. You take authority of thoughts with words. And so I would have to have something come out of my mouth. When a thought, a critical thought would come up, I'd go, oh, no, they're the child of the living God. They've been bought by a price, praise God. They've been bought by the same blood I've been bought with. They are the king's kids. They're the apple of his eye. Man, they are loved by God, and they're worthy of love. That's all they're worthy of is love. And they, they are free from judgment and condemnation. They are, the, my, they are my brethren. God, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren. They are gifted and anointed. And I just begin to speak, speak who they really are out of my mouth mouth to just come against the thoughts of criticalness I would have. So anyway, but just think about uh, about Sarah, and we're going to need to take probably two or three sessions on this because Sarah, here she is, she's feeling, you know, this this place where, you know, and, and then, then understand she, you know, Abraham gets told to move. Now, that's another thing. You know, Sarah, we don't we don't find any verses in the Bible where God comes and speaks to Sarah personally. I, I'm assuming he did, you know, because he obviously he's no respecter of persons, but we don't have that written down anywhere. So apparently it wasn't something God wanted magnified or, or focused on. But we do see several times where God speaks to Abraham about something that's going to affect them corporately as far as, as, as a married couple. It's going to affect both of them, but he only speaks to Abraham about that. And it's not not because God, you know, doesn't like women. It's because that was the highest way for both of them to grow. And this is something that, that you know, I've, I've heard people, well, you know, if God is going to speak it to me, he's going to speak it to my spouse, or if he's going to speak it to me. That's not necessarily true. 
That's not necessarily true at all. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible where God speaks to both people at the same time. And, you know, he can do that, and he's done that with, with me and Rachel, where there's times when we had something come up and we both had the same thing, and, you know, we both, you know, God spoke to us at the same time about the same thing, and praise God. You know what? I love that. That is easy. Okay, that's so easy when that happens. Glory to God for when that happens. That is like the mercy of God upon me when he speaks to me and Rachel at the same time. But he's also done it lots of times when he only spoke to one of us. And the other one has to come into agreement and submission with that. There's a higher walk there where I have to honor what God speaks to my wife when I didn't hear that. And there's an honor that she, when, 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 she, when I say something, she honors me by, by believing that I heard from God. And we have to, if, 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 you know, if, you're, if you're married, then you, now if you're not married, then, then you, you need to do this obviously with other people in your life. Believe that your pastor hears from, from God. Believe that the people in authority, the, your parents hear from God. Believe that people in authority in around you hear from God and don't just roll your eyes and go with it. Like, you know, okay, well, here we go again. I'll see how this pans out. See, that's not, that's not there's no value in that attitude. That is not sowing into the honor that can actually be reaped from the, the, the situation that God is offering to us. When God speaks something to somebody else and not to us, he's offering us an opportunity to walk in a higher level of honor, and he's offering us an opportunity to actually watch fruit grow in our life that has to do with what other people are hearing. I would rather fruit abound in my life based on what other people are doing too. Man, that'd be good, right? Well, that, that requires me to honor. That requires me to honor past what I've physically heard. So Sarah, we, we see, now here, you know, there's a time when, when, they, when God speaks to Abraham and says, come out you know, from, your, from your household, from your father's house, from your kin, from your culture. Come out, and I'll, I'm going to send you to a land that you do not know, but it's going to be the land that flows with milk and honey, and I'm going to bless you, and blah, blah, blah. And that's in Genesis chapter 12. So Abraham and Sarah leave. And there's a whole other thing in that, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But but what I find interesting is I, I I'm uh, these are like so I'm assuming a little bit here, but I, I think that Abraham and Sarah were a lot like us because they're people, and so uh, and they're and they're the father and mother of our faith. So they walk through things the way we walk through things, and so I bet when they left and they were taking this huge step of obedience to obey God, I bet that that Sarah probably thought this is what I need to do to have a to have a child. This is what I need to do. I'm obeying God at a very high level. I'm obeying God. I'm leaving. I'm forsaking everything that I've built in Ur. Ur was a great place. Ur of the Chaldees. It was, a, it was an amazing place. It was technologically advanced. It was opulent. It was a. It was a very very nice existence for them. And God goes, come out to this wilderness area where you know there's really not much security or stability, and I'm not even going to tell you your destination. And so they, 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 they step out. They forsake the comforts of all that they had. They forsake the crutches. They, they, they do all these things that, that were, they were leaning on uh, culturally, financially, physically, relationally, and they leave everything and they go. And I bet you Sarah was saying, I bet this is it. I'm finally going to have a son. I'm finally going to have a child. I'm finally, this is probably my, my act of obedience is what's going to actually free up my womb and therefore I will have, you know, the child that, that I know is rightfully mine. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, walking through this, how many times do we think that, that an act of obedience is going to be the key to unlocking something in our life. And obedience is very valuable. But obedience does not earn the blessing of God. 
Obedience is not about earning anything. Obedience is an act of honor I have to my father. But now understand, there's like there, there, there are times when God will say, "Hey, obey me in this," and 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 fruit will abound in our life. Uh, that that will happen in our life in different areas. But it's not a wage system. It's not that. It's not like you know. That, that's why we like, usually when something's going wrong, we're like, "Oh, where have I been disobedient?" Well, we need to find out where we've been disobedient. That's for sure. And there there is value in that. But understand. Abraham and Sarah, they walked in obedience and still didn't see the blessing. They walked in obedience and still didn't see what their hearts were longing for. They walked in obedience and still didn't have the thing that that really they, they knew was tied to their to, to what God called them to do. God called them to be the father and the money, mother of nations. God called them to, to lead a people and become a great and mighty nation in the earth. And through them, all the families of the earth were going to be blessed. That would require them to have a family. And so their very calling was tied to this thing that they did not have in their life. Their very calling was tied to it. And they didn't know the degree to that, but still they knew that there was something missing. And to them, it was a child. Now, uh, anyway, so so that that's just let's just get into this next time. We need to wrap up, Father. I thank you right now, Lord God, just for for walking us through this, Lord God. I thank you, Father God, that that we are not those who need to be condemned or in shame, you know, just because we feel disconnected. I thank you that you can walk us out and show us through the 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 the, the people we have in the Word of God that we have their faith as an example, we have their walk as an example, and Father God, we can see and identify not just with the barrenness of Sarah, but we can see in, we can identify with the fruitfulness of what you used her to become. And we just thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on wisdom and stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.